you jack wagon? Coming to you live from his padded cell high atop Bethel Church, the most heralded, the most despised talk show in all of human history. This is the talk show Hell Hates. This is Pastor Mike Online. Ah, here we are coming to you live from our top secret broadcasting bunker here on October 31st, All Hallows Eve or Halloween. Because English people like to shorten their words, put a little, uh, I almost said catastrophe, apostrophe in there and just say, instead of, it takes too long to say All Hallows Evening, so we just say All Hallows Een with a catastrophe there. And now it's a short word. Anyway, it is October 31st, and you gotta know what we will be talking about uh, just in uno momento. Uh, I'm looking at the news a little bit and seeing that, um, and this started yesterday, I believe, um, where Israel is um, uh, basically started the second part of their attack uh, retaliation war against uh, the Hamas terrorists and the Gaza Strip. They promised uh, the, the government of Israel, Netanyahu and others, promised and said uh, they did this to us. Uh, they cut off babies. Listen, they did this. They, they kidnapped babies, infants, and chopped their heads off. That, that is an evil that most people in the Western world, we don't see it. We don't see it in spoiled America, entitled America. We don't see that kind of stuff here. So all these idiot liberals marching up and down the streets, tearing down the pictures of these Jewish babies that were slaughtered by these uh, Hamas terrorists uh, and then and then calling Israel the killers. They're the terrorists. Uh, but anyway, Israel said uh, your, uh, Gaza, as you know it now, is going to cease to be. There's there's going to be a brand new Gaza. Uh, one of the here and it's and it's going to be it's going to be ours. Um, I don't know the outcome and. People, I, I just I want to I want to warn you again. Be careful of these uh, these latter day prophets and these prognosticators and so these guys that are partnering up with Jewish rabbis and they're and they're giving predictions and prophecies and saying this is God's hand upon this and God's going to do this and God's going to release this and then the rapture and then the, the peace deal and then every these people show up every time something happens somewhere and they immediately start getting YouTube 
uh, views and they start selling merchandise of some book or DVD that they have. And people just be careful about what you listen to. Be careful about what you hear and be careful what you trust. If you can trust the King James Bible, just just leave it at that. Read it. God's going to take care of what he's going to take care of. He's going to do what he's going to do. And whether you figure it out first and you're the first one to get a video out, so and because then you want everybody to see how right you were about this terrible thing going on over there. And I just I'm just telling you be careful. Okay? And pray. Pray, pray, pray. All right. Uh, today, as we said, is October the 31st. Um, it has a, a, um, an, another title to it. Uh, we, we use the phrase All Hallows' Eve uh, or Halloween. And let me tell you where that comes from because some people don't know. Um, it actually is from... Uh, the fact that tomorrow, November the 1st, in the Catholic Church land universe, um, you know, the Catholic Church loves to give out days that celebrate or worship, I'll call it that, one of these quote-unquote saints. So you have, here we go, we have famous saint days that believe it or not, you have Christians who are not Catholic that are celebrating these days. You say, oh, pastor, be it. What about St. Patrick's Day? And you got to wear green on St. Patrick's Day. What about St. Valentine's Day? Yes, Valentine, Valentinus. Uh, a Catholic saint, and February 14th is St. Valentine's Day. Uh, I don't know why it's associated with love and romance and flowers and a dozen roses costing you 50 bucks. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, it's just a Catholic saint day, and it's a feast day for that saint. So if you honor that, that saint and uh, that is a patron saint of yours, and you bow to its statue and pray to it like you're not supposed to do, uh, then you, that's, that's, your, that's your God that you've put in front of God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So uh, all, all St. Mary has her day. St. Mary Magdalene has her day. Um, St. Thomas has his day. St. Peter has his day. St. Paul has his day. They all had these, these feast days. So then they figured, well, you know, like, uh, like uh, what was on Mars Hill, when Paul went to preach at Mars Hill, he, he noticed that all of these statues, all these gods, and then they had a memorial there, a monument of some kind, and, a, and the plate said, to the unknown God. In other words, well, we don't want to leave any of them out because there could be a bunch of them. 
And so we'll just put this one here for all the left out gods. And Paul used that to say, well, let me tell you about the one that you left out, the one that you're not worshiping, the one that you're not praying to. And that's how he introduced Jesus Christ. Uh, But November the 1st is All Saints Day so that you can have a feast to all the saints who you believe are up in heaven and they are all praying for you and they are all hearing your prayers and then they are a mediator between you and Jesus Christ so long as Mary allows it. But that saint that you have prayed to now is a God before God. You broke November the 1st, All Saints Day or All Hallows Day, is a violation of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. So, you know, it follows it by the time you November 1st came around in the northern hemisphere. Um, it basically concludes the harvest season. And in the harvest You've brought in all of your barley, your wheat, your oats. Um, You've got your potatoes. You've got your onions, your turnips. You've got all the things from your garden that you're probably going to get because it's going to freeze. And last night, right here, top secret broadcasting compound, uh, temperature got down to about 25, 26 degrees, something like that. Uh, We went from summer to winter, man. Boom, boom, just like that. So uh, by this time, everything's been harvested. And generally, in the northern hemisphere, you would have a feast of some kind. Uh, the Germans would have their Oktoberfest, and I'm sure the, the Polish people would, and the, and the Czechs, and the, and, and the Russians and the Slavs, and the Danish, and the Norwegian, and everybody has harvested in. Now we've got an abundance of food, so let's eat it all at once. No, that's not what they do. But anyway, they eat, they bake bread from the grain that they pulled in and everything like that. So the harvest is in. Once you have the harvest in, let's have a feast. Well, we got to dedicate the feast to somebody, so instead of giving it to God... Instead of giving God the thanks, instead of giving God the glory, uh, let's give it to all the saints who pray for us. So that right, that right there is, they call it a Christian holiday. It is not a Christian holiday. It violates, as I said, the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So there, it coincides with... Another holiday. I'll bring, let me see if I can uh, bring this up and put it on the screen for you. Um, This is called the Witch's Wheel of Time. 
and it has witches, and it's a wheel, and it marks time. So that's why it's called the Witch's Wheel of Time. And on this Witch's Wheel of Time, you have Summer Solstice, uh, you have uh, Beltane. Now, let me. Let, this is kind of going backwards here. Beltane is May first, and notice here uh, you have a uh, you have a maypole here, and children uh, dancing around it. Usually, uh, young females, and uh, they're winding DNA around this pole. The pole basically is, uh, forgive me, but it, it's a phallic symbol. The, the the phrase Beltane, yeah, well, that's easy to pick apart. It has Bell's name in it. Bell, Bale, Beelzebub, uh, Belial, all of those Jezebel has it has all those all those names in it uh, to to Baal. And this is, of course, that that rod there would be Baal's shaft. All right. Anyway, so May 1st, Beltane, uh, June 21st, summer solstice, uh, longest day of the year in the northern hemisphere um, because of the the motions of the earth and the sun. Uh, You have um, Lamas after that, which notice this now, summer solstice, winter solstice um, are opposite one another. This is June 21st. This is December 21st. Autumnal equinox, vernal equinox, or spring equinox, opposite one another. This is the time in the northern hemisphere where you have 12 hours in the day, 12 hours in the night. They are equal, thus the phrase equinox. So right here, let me have a we have a pen here. There we go. So right here, you're making a cross out of these holidays. Now, let me say this. Let me let me let me just open up some King James Bible for you. And some of you will obviously misunderstand what I'm saying, and you will accuse me of being an occultist, okay? Um, we've already been accused, believe it or not, um, during, you know, when the seasons change, uh, the girls here, they like to decorate the church, you know, differently. You know, we have a, had a summer theme, and now we have a fall theme uh, in the church sanctuary, and somebody said that they can see a witch, on our stage, and I'm going. I won't. Well, I won't tell you what I was thinking. I'm just. We don't have a witch anywhere in our sanctuary or the stage or nothing. Doesn't exist. So, forgive me, but let me say this to you. When it comes to June 21st, December 21st, uh, September 21st, and March 21st, who is the one who made those days 
and made the motions of the sun and the, and the earth in relation to it, who is the one who made all of that and put it together? God did it. Yay, for God. Because Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. And in, I hate to even keep showing that, but in that, that the, the motion of the earth and the sun and what happens every six months, and I've talked about this before, you have the equator, which is the middle band around the earth, and 23 and a few small degrees north of the equator. I'm always going to get these wrong. You have the Tropic of Cancer, I think. And then 23.24 degrees south of the equator, you have the Tropic of Capricorn, or they're reversed. I can't remember which one. And so what you have is, number one, the Son of Righteousness, capital S, Son of Righteousness, God, who is a sun and a shield to us. Psalm 19, the sun going through the tabernacle of the heavens is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Well, that's Christ. John turns around and sees who's talking behind him in Revelation 1, and his face, his countenance is like the sun. So Christ, Christ said, I am the light of the world. Come on, people, get with it. Uh, if I were to have any celebration on this day, I would celebrate the work of Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's what I would do. And then I would probably get accused of trying to adapt a pagan holiday uh, to, to uh, Christianity. No, Christianity God's design of the motions of the heavenly objects, God designed all that first before there ever was a devil, before there ever were principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. God is the one who ordained the motions of the, of the stars, the constellations, of the, uh, the sun and the moon and, and all of those things. He did it to show forth his glory. And I think God did a good job of it. So day unto day, utter his speech. Well, what does that mean? Now think about it. Christ rising from the dead. Like, and, and it was done at, the, at, the, um, at sunrise. Boom. Here comes Christ the Son of Righteousness, arising with healing in His wings. Here comes the Son, moving, rising in the east, going to the, the highest point in the sky because Christ is the Most High, going to the west because that's where the most holy place was in the tabernacle. So every day, the bridegroom sun rises in the east 
ascends on high, comes down and settles in the west, um, exactly where the throne of God is in the most holy place of the temple. Now, if that doesn't make you say amen, or at least, huh, then, you know, be a little spiritual about it. Uh, But then, he doesn't just do it east to west. Oh, no. He does it north to south. Because... um, Let's see, what would it be? The, um, on, uh, let's say, June 21st, the, yeah, the sun is down uh, south of the equator uh, at, at high noon, June 21st. The sun is down below the equator at... Um, Oh, let's see, yeah, 23 degrees, the Tropic of uh, Capricorn, I think. And then, for six months, every day, the sun moves just a little bit from June 21st to September 21st. He's now at the equator, okay, the equinox. Then... Uh, be three months later, six months total. He's at the equator, and then he rises up, and now he's at the Tropic of Cancer, the one that's above the equator, north of the equator, if I'm right on that. I should look it up. But anyway, he rises up there, and um, then we're going to have the shortest day of the year, I think, Something like that. But anyway, every year, the sun rises for six months and then goes back down for six months and then rises again for six months, goes down for six months. You could say it's, it's just almost like a clock. And that is exactly what God had in mind in Genesis chapter 1 when he made the sun, moon, and the stars. He said this is on day 4. I want you to remember that. Day 4. God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. I'd say he done a pretty good job with that one. And let them be for signs. Think about it, and seasons, and days, and years. And how do we measure a day? The motion of the sun. That's how we measure it. Been measuring it that way since creation. How do we measure the night? The motion of the moon and the stars. Um, how then do we measure a month? The 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 uh, the the waxing and waning of the moon in 28.2 whatever, three or whatever days, the, you have the moon going from dark to light to dark again. Even the moon does it. 
And um, how do we measure the years? Well, you look up at the stars on a certain day, and you mark out those stars, and you, and you write down their position, where they are on a certain day at a certain time, and then you do that every day for 365 days, and then when you get to day uh, 365 plus one, you're right back where you started when you were when you were writing the positions of the stars down a year ago. That's that's how it's measured. So God, I've I've said this that uh, everything that measures time generally is in a circle. And if you um, think of the sun, it's a the sun's round, the moon is round, the Earth is round. The orbits are round. Um, let's see here. Clock goes around. The wheels on the clock go round and round, round and round. And that, and then we can look at Ecclesiastes. And, oh, I had fun with those college, uh, those college people. I wanted to call them kids. They were not kids. They were young, but I give them a break. They achieved adulthood, all right? And uh, I told them, I said uh, that they had, God had put in, God, put in, God put DNA in the Bible 3,000 years before we even really understood what it was. And I read to them Psalm 139, 16. And I said, Solomon wrote about the water cycle. 3,000 years ago, and nobody else knew this. But he writes down, by inspiration of God, where he says, All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. And that's a cycle, a circle. And I'm told by uh, the people who would know information like this, that um, here in the Mississippi River Plain, um, where from the Appalachian Mountains to the Rocky Mountains, pretty much all the rivers uh, run into the Mississippi River, um, that it usually takes it once, once water goes down the Mississippi into the Gulf of Mexico, usually takes about 90 days for that cycle to repeat itself. In other words, the water, you go all the way up to Minnesota if you want to. And the water runs down into the, into the sea. The wind and, the, and that hot sun pick the water up, carry it up as moisture over us in the summertime. And believe me, we have our share of moisture in the summertime. And then it drops down as rain, goes back into the river. 90 days starts, it's, it's a cycle. And it can be measured. And it happens the same way they can predict they can predict if you ever get a farmer's almanac they can predict sunrise and sunset on any day that you can pick out in the future or the past they can they can tell you when sunrise and sunset was they can tell you that why because it's predictable it operates exactly like a clock and it's in a circle time is cyclical. Well, I said that one time several years ago, and somebody wrote me and they said, Pastor, you're all washed up. 
What about digital clocks that are square? Huh? And they were serious. Because I said, you know, time, everything that measures time is in a circle. Well, what about, what about digital clocks that are square? Huh? How about that one? Huh? And I'm like, I, I don't even know if I should talk. Anyway, so all of this, all of this designed to show forth the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter a speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit, circuit. Under the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Even David understood that the sun travels in a circuit. It's easy to figure out. So, now that I've said that, I'll say this. Isaiah 14. We have a mimicking and an attempt to steal the glory of God away by, guess who? Lucifer. Lucifer. How you doing, Mr. Sifer? I'm fine, thank you. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the what? And and what is morning? It's halfway between night and day. It's halfway there. It's not night. It's not day. It's morning. And by the way, did you know that the morning, let me add a phrase here. Has a womb. Psalm one Psalm one ten three, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power in the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning. Isn't that something? Now I don't I don't know if I quite understand this, but that apparently shows the correctness of uh, Isaiah, four, Isaiah 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? He issued forth out of the womb of the morning. Um, boy, there's got to be something, you know, like big with that. I just, but anyway... Uh, how art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend. Now follow this now. Here he is. Like He wants to be like the Most High. He wants to be like Jesus. wants to be like God. So we just outlined for you from Scripture and from observation 
There's no doubt about it. The sun rises in the east, goes down in the west, and it gets to a high point where it is most high. It's not going any higher than that. And here we have Lucifer doing the same thing. Or at least he wants to do the same thing. Now, he said it in his heart. And what did he say? Number one, I will ascend into heaven. Number two, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Now, I've talked about this before. When you have Christ, the Son of God, uh, and you, you have nighttime, you have the moon and the stars, you can see the stars, and you can see the moon. You can see it very clearly because the sun is gone down. But all you have to do to get rid of the stars is bring the sun in. And then the sun, because of its brilliance and its light, is so bright, then once the sun rises, you cannot see the stars anymore. They're there. They're all still there. You just can't see them. So when he says, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, he wants to, by his own brilliance, outshine all of the angelic realm. It's what he wants to do. And he said, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Did you know that that is Mount Zion? Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Isn't that something? The Bible tells you what identifies exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants to take over Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. The great king is Christ, king of kings and lord of lords. He wants to sit on his throne in the sides of the north, in heaven. Uh, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And if you've ever... And I'm going to get flat earth on you. I haven't talked flat earth in a long time. If you ever, if if people were trying to bombard you with this flat earth nonsense, get up in the morning before the sunrise and then go out in the late, late, late afternoon before sunset. And here's what you're going to see. If there's some clouds in the sky in the morning in the east, when the sun's coming up, when the sun first comes up, its light is actually beneath the clouds that we can see in the sky. Now, how can that be if, as the flat earth people believe... um, Here's the earth, the pancake, and they say that the earth, that the sun goes around the earth like this. And yet, early in the morning and late in the afternoon, you can actually see sunlight and the sun itself below clouds. 
How is that possible? It's only possible if the earth, and I have a, I have a, I have a round earth here. It's only possible if the earth is round and the sun, let's see, the sun's setting over here and there are clouds in the sky and the sun is going over the arc of the globe earth and that's how you would see the sun beneath the clouds. That's how you would see it. It works at sunrise. Okay, because there, let's say there's clouds here, but the sun's light is here. So you're actually going to see the sun looking like it's below the clouds. And this is why the ancient people were scratching their head, go, oh, we can't figure this out. Well, maybe the sun is, maybe the sun's like on a chariot and there's some horses that pull the sun across the sky. Maybe, maybe that's how it is. Maybe they're getting it out. Maybe they come up out of the earth and they go up in the sky and they roll over and then they go down into the underworld. That's what they thought. When it goes down, those horses are pulling the sun across the sky. That's what they thought. But it here's the sun. Here's the sun shining through the atmosphere below clouds that would be right here. So right here when he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, that's what he means. I want to be up here. At 12 o'clock, at high noon, I want to be at the most high spot. I will be like the most high. Yet, thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Isn't it? Oh, I just want to, I want to get happy today. I do. I want to get happy. I don't want to be sitting around going, oh, it's Halloween, it's Devil's Day. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about that. All right, let's talk a little bit. So now you understand that the, the devil does take God's glory and steals it from him. That's what he does. That's what he gets people to do. Listen, there are people who are Lucifers all over this world who they themselves believe uh, listen if if you don't believe that man has a a an agenda whereby he plans to be in among the stars living in the cosmos the heaven the universe outer space the firmament it's all through the Bible. Let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. Well, we have that. We have the International Space Station that is governed over by a, a unique set of laws that apply only to the space station. 
They have their own law system up there because we have people from different countries. So what you can't you can't really um, have a jurisdiction of something that's up in the sky from down here. The Russians can't claim it all. The Americans can't claim it all. So it has its own self-governing jurisdiction up there, as long as they're up there. Um, but you have a, a city and a tower whose top is in the heaven now. And we're, we're not done. We're going to keep going. They're, they're, I mean, Elon Musk is putting NASA to shame almost on what he's able to do as a private company that he doesn't have the bureaucracy and all the you know the politicians uh, beaming down on him telling him what to do telling him what he can and cannot do he's going I can do this I got the money yeah but you might lose it okay I'll lose it it's mine to lose nobody's standing over him telling him he can't so anyway but man man's working in that direction Going to the stars. And there, like I say, there are Lucifers all around. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Man, oh man. All right. So that's the devil taking over the glory of God. So... When we have a day, and I'll I'll go back to this picture here. We have uh, these cross days, they call them. Summer solstice, Yule is the winter solstice. The autumnal equinox, vernal equinox makes a cross. But then you have what the Wiccans call the cross quarter days. You have Lamas with Imbolc. Imbolc is February 1st, February 2nd, 33rd day of the year. Then you have Beltane, May 1st, as a cross quarter day with Sawain. Sawain. The, The M there is silent. It's pronounced Samhain, and it is October 31st, November 1st. And, and, they, and they call them cross-quarter days because uh, after September 21st and be, before you get to December 21st, the Yule, then you have, um, you, you have Samhain or what we would call All Hallows' Eve or Halloween here. So it is roughly halfway between this and this. And this is how witches do their thing. Now, if I were to say anything about October the 31st, Samhain, I will tell you with no uncertainty, that every witch in the entire world will be performing rituals on this night, without a doubt. 
It's in their calendar. It's in their calendar. Okay? Um, do Catholics worship Mary? Yes. Do they have a feast on St. Mary's Day? Uh, you better believe it. And so they are, they are going to have and perform their rituals on this night. And those rituals are based upon what we call the elements. Now, um, let's see here. I have in my possession... Let me pull it up here. Um, I, I watched it. Uh, watched some of it last night. And some of it today. It is the movie Elemental. And I had in my mind what this movie was going to be about. And lo and behold, I was right. Is that there are a couple of characters here. Uh, her name is... Uh, it's not Bernie. It's I can't remember. But anyway... They all live in what's called Elemental City. It's a city where all four of the elements can live. The earth elements, characterized by trees and plants and so on in this movie. Um, the water elements, characterized people that are made of water. Okay. Um, the air elements characterized by, uh, puffy clouds. Okay. And then you have the fire people and, you know, the other three elements, they don't like the fire people. They make them live on their own side of the city. And there's all kinds of sub theme, some, uh, leftist woke sub-themes in this movie, you know, like the poor fire people. They can't live among the rest of everybody else. They have to be segregated from everybody. They're separate but equal. And all this, I mean, it's, and then there's even uh, like the hint of a, of a male gay couple getting together in this movie. I mean, there is. It's, and it's just ridiculous. It doesn't need, of course, the movie doesn't need to be made, as far as I'm concerned, because of what it's teaching. Um, this fire girl, that's her father. Uh, that's the wind people. They, they have a team called the windbreakers where they break wind and it's in there. Okay. They have the theme where all the air people are like passing gas. But anyway, um, Let's see here. Here's here's the guy. It's a love story. It's like Romeo and Juliet. It's like City of Angels. It's like any other love story. It's like The Matrix, okay? Because what happens 
is that water guy dies in in the toward the end of the movie. Well, take a wild guess at who's going to raise him back to life. Fire girl. Now, um, there's just a guess on my part, but the the Nordic people, people from Scandinavia, Norway, Denmark, Sweden, all of those nations that are on the North Sea, um, you know, Northern Europe, they have uh, a mythology that in some ways ties in with biblical Christianity. They have a place of the dead, a place of like punishment, and a goddess who rules over that. And the place is hell with one L, and the goddess is hell with one L, or Hela. If you watched... Uh, let's see, what Thor movie was it? Um, where he ended up having to fight his sister who got uh, brought back up, uh, Thor Ragnarok. Uh, her name was Hela. And she was, you know, down, she's the fire woman. She can manipulate fire, the element of fire, and do things with fire, and so on. And if I were to sort of make a connection. That's what I would make here with this girl here. She can do things with fire and and whatever, but she's the one that ends up bringing him back to life. Um, if you watch The Matrix, the first one, where Neo gets shot and killed by Agent Smith... Mr. Anderson and Trinity, who is the the chick, the woman, she says, Neo, you're not going to die because uh, I know you're going to live because the oracle told me that I would fall in love with the one and you're the one. So she kisses um, his non-matrix body and all of a sudden he rises from the dead. Now he's got these superpowers. Well, that's pretty much what she did. She raised Water Guy back from the dead, back from oblivion, and they kiss. And now these two opposite elements are going to get hitched. It, the movie didn't actually have them getting married. It just had them together you know they kiss and they kiss again and they kiss and a few months later you know she's going off here with water boy and on and on and on that's about as much as i can remember um but when i when i saw this first come out i saw it like um, I, I think i remember showing you on the mcdonald's happy meal boxes and the four characters who represented the four elements earth air, fire, and water. Now, in these opposites, uh, earth and 
air are opposite to each other. Fire and water are opposite to each other. And as you well know, uh, let me pull up Genesis. Come on, Mr. Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, from the, the very first thing that God did. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. The Bible says God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Well, the, the meaning of the yin-yang symbol is that it represents God or the universe, whereby there's a little light in darkness and a little darkness in light. That's what it, that's what it represents, which is the exact opposite of what your Bible says. Let me throw something else in that I just, you know, I... I I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation. I'm not saying that uh, you doing this has got devils. Well, it may be. Most, um, most Eastern combat techniques, such as karate, kung fu, taekwondo, things like that are based upon what they call balance. And when your karate's not good, it's because you're out of balance and you need to get balance back in. Okay? Wax on, wax off. Look at eye. Always look at eye. Uh, you need to be balanced again. That's what that's what this represents or this your centering. okay, And it has to do with the elements being balanced in your life, earth, air, fire and water. Um, And I just I, I don't encourage people. To go and send their kids to be trained in, in things like this. I, I don't encourage it. I, I try to discourage it if somebody were to ask me. Now, I don't mess in people's lives. I don't say, hey, uh, your, your kid goes to Taekwondo. Sorry, you can't come to church here. Uh, I want everybody to come to church here. But um, I can't, I, I try to discourage if somebody were to ask me, Pastor, do you think I should take my son or my daughter to Karate classes, you know, they learn a lot about discipline. They learn it, yeah, but they also learn a lot about uh, Eastern mysticism that is is very veiled. It's like yoga, okay? I don't. I tell you, don't do yoga. Don't do yoga. You know, um, I have found that by by stretching the muscles in my lower back, I can temporarily eliminate. My lower back pain that I have, especially on days where I'm walking around a lot on concrete. And I may look funny inside of a store, but I'm all bent over and I'm just stretching my lower back muscles about as far as they'll stretch. Okay. But I don't, 
I don't sit down and and do this with my fingers and close my eyes and go. Oh, I don't I don't do yoga. You want to stretch? Stretch your muscles. It might do you some good. Bodily exercise profiteth little. But the whole of Eastern mysticism, especially in the in the yogic practices, is that bodily exercise is everything. That your body must be in tune with God. Your body must be in tune with the universe, and it must be balanced, and it must be whole, and it must be, you know, there must be e- equality here, and all this. And people, I just, I just warn you, don't, don't get mixed in with that stuff. Don't do it. It is a, it is. There are seducing spirits, and there are doctrines of devils. That are being taught, and unless you know um, what can be known about all of this, you might get fooled. And I, I would hate that. On my watch, I would hate for you to get fooled. Now, here's what's interesting: is that in the King James, the the Bible uses this term "elements." Take a wild guess how many times it's in there. Even so, and here's how Paul says it, when we were children, when, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, could he mean, you know, earth, air, fire, and water? I, I think so. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So here we are in this world. We are in bondage under the elements of the world. And that's because these, uh, well, let me do this. At least one of those elements is pretty much named for you in Ephesians 2, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So the, the air element, and, and we'll see that all of these elements, they have a spirit behind them. Guess what kind of spirit they are. They're dragons. I know I said guess, but I figured I'd help you out. They're dragons, all four of them. They call them watchtowers, spirits, and they're sitting on the four corners, and all four of them are dragons that rule over earth, air, fire, and water. And we're told here in Ephesians 2, that when we walked in this world, we walked according to the prince of the power of the air, and it was a spirit that works in the ch- children of disobedience. In other words, everybody that you know that is lost is under the control of a spirit. Now, you may not see them you know, foaming at the mouth and puking green stuff and their head turning around and they're going ah, like that. You may not hear that, but in their actions and in their deeds and the things they do, the things they won't do, the influence that they try to have in your life, 
Oh, do you guys have to go to church every Sunday? Because, man, we were going to have a get-together and have a real good time. And, and you know, we're going to go swimming and all this stuff. We're going to take the kids. And why not you let us take the kids? I mean, you and your wife want to go to church. That's fine. Why well, don't you let us take the kids? We'll take the kids. Don't do it. Don't do it. These people are under the influence of the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And anybody you're either going to be a child of God or a child of disobedience. You have to decide which one. Pick a side. Choose and pick a side that you're going to be on. Don't try to straddle the fence. Um, back at the ranch. So Paul used that here, elements of the world, and then he said, in the same chapter, Galatians 4, How be it then, when you do not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. Notice these used the word nature. I think that when evolutionary or evolutionists like uh, Phil, Phil Nye, the science guy, Bill Nye, the science guy. I think when they talk about nature as a force that drives evolution, I think, number one, you know for a fact that people like Bill Nye, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and others, the, the talking science whiz kids, that they are under the influence of a spirit. And that spirit is an elemental spirit. When they refer to nature, they refer to it as a force that drives and conducts evolution. You hear them say, wow, these... These uh, species are amazing that um, over hundreds of millions of years, nature has caused them to evolve in such a way. Notice what they said. They said nature was the force that caused these whatever creatures that caused them to evolve in the way that they did. They're giving nature a force. They're giving it almost a, a, a personality that nature had a plan to make creatures evolve in the way they did. Now, I'm going to, I want to stop right here for a minute. I want to unhook the train, and I want to talk about something else that I've always thought about just every now and then, just picking little things out of nature and then asking you the question, how did that happen? I came across a YouTube channel, and it features something that I always wanted, and I did have it a few times in my youth, uh, but I wasn't good at raising it. They, they were Venus flytraps, and um, they have fascinated me ever since. I Now, they're not from Venus, 
That's just what some somebody, I guess, marketing them or whatever, these strange plants that eat flies. And um, I got to thinking the other day, as I'm watching these flies get pulled in by these Le- these two leaves on a branch that look like um, eye- eyelids. And the fly gets pulled in, number one, by the color. Because even though the plant is green, inside the, uh, the, the, the trap there, I mean, it's just, it's just blaze red. It looks like blood it looks like carrion it looks like something good that these fries uh, flies fries that these flies would love to eat so they get pulled in number one by the color number two they get they get once they land there and you know flies they gotta taste everything they're on they start tasting the the little nectar that's coming out little little bitty bitty almost microscopic little drops of fluid that have a flavor that flies and and wasps and hornets and bees and you know lots of lots spiders and things like that well they like it and they've got a system that the flavors increase as you go down toward the bottom of the trap, thus bringing the fly in for the kill. Now, I found out, you know, the fly trap has these little bitty hairs that stick up. And there's about, I don't know, half a dozen, something like that on each one. And I found out that those, you can't just trip them one time and expect them to close. The flytrap actually requires tripping those things three times. Now, how did nature do that? Then, once it gets tripped that third time, then it closes. And it don't take long and it don't take much. And because of those little lashes that come out of those eye eyelids, by the time it just gets like that, that they're trapped. And then it closes in and it releases digestive enzymes that turns most of that fly into fly soup. And the, the, the plant swallows the enzymes, swallows the fly soup. And then when it's got it all done, it opens up. And there's a, there's a dried-out carcass there. Now, sometimes the wind will blow that out. Sometimes the rain will wash it out. But that carcass being in there has another benefit to the flytrap. Spiders see it. And they see, from their vantage, they see, well, there's a fly down in there. I'm going to go attack that thing and get it. Put a web on it. And eat it. So a spider then gets pulled in by the leftover carcass of the previous bug. And of course the track goes again. Eating it again. Now here's here's the catch. 
They say that evolution caused all of these changes to happen. How is it that a plant from a completely different kingdom, you know, there's two kingdoms of living creatures, uh, plants and animals. How is it that a species of plant from the plant kingdom, how did it know to develop in itself a color that a species from the other kingdom, the animal kingdom, just happens to like that color and is drawn by it. How did that plant know that? And then, after millions of years of not gaining any not gaining any ground here with getting anything to eat how then did it develop the exact right combination of enzymes and juices and whatever to make that nectar that flavors the surface of the of the trap leaves that just happens to be what the fly likes to look at, the color red, and what the fly thinks tastes good. How did it do that? And then the fly lands in there. How does that fly trap count to the number three? Because it gets triggered usually the third trip. Then it gets triggered and closes, which keeps it from closing accidental. If it closes accidental, it weakens the plant because it used all this energy to close and there's nothing there. So now it has to open back up again and now the plant's weak. And my point is this. You can't, you cannot tell me that this species of plant, the Venus flytrap, developed all by itself while simultaneously the fly was also developing all by itself. How, how can that happen? It can't. It's not possible and we're only talking about two species here one a plant one an animal and it just so happens that the plant eats the animal which is not common in this world there are some carnivorous plants pitcher plant the um uh i can't remember the other one one of them has these little glue dots on these little spindles and whenever a land, an animal is, lands on that and is attracted to the aroma, the flavor of those dots, it just closes in on it and traps it. That's a glue. Now, how did that, how did that plant adapt itself differently than the flytrap? How did the pitcher plant uh, 
build itself so that it held this fluid in there that basically was the soup maker, the soup kitchen? How did it develop the interior walls so that when a, 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 some sort of fly or a spider or a bug gets on the inside of it, it slides down in there and it can't, can't get out? How did it do that independently of all these creatures that it eat, that it needs to live on? While they were developing simultaneously, this plant developing simultaneously. Here's the food. Here's the eater. And they both have to develop in such a way at the same time so that one doesn't outdo the other. Never convince me of that. You will never convince me of that. Oh, boy, the heavens do declare the glory of God. Anyway, so you understand here. Howbeit then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. And again, the scientists refer to nature as a force that causes species evolution. But now, after that you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? Boy, Paul said it right. Whereunto you desire again to be in bondage, you observe days and months and times and years like that there is an observance of these times now again if if i were to have let's say i wanted to invite some people over from church uh here to the church and we're going to have a, a big barbecue and cook up some bratwurst and some steaks and and we're going to have a big have a have a big get together like we did last last Friday, we had chili cook-off. Okay, uh, we've had that every year now for the last several years, and it's and it's just nothing but us getting together, enjoying uh, one another. We've got some new families that have been coming to our church, and it's it's good to get to know them just on that you know just sitting there and talking to them and enjoying their company. And we're eating chili, we're eating hot dogs, and, you know, we're giving the kids candy, and the adults are sneaking some candy every now and then. We're just having a good old time. So I don't have to have a celebration here. I don't have to. If I want to, certainly free to do it, to worship God in the beauty of his holiness. I love it. So, back to this wheel of time. The difference between that and these witches is that these witches believe that that's, that is the time to honor the gods or honor nature or whatever it is basically they're worshiping satan they just wouldn't admit that they're worshiping satan but they're worshiping satan so they are they have turned to these weak and beggarly elements beggarly in that 
this wheel of, of time with these Wiccans, it always requires the Wiccans to worship and celebrate whatever the theme is at that time. That's what I think beggarly means. We demand you to give us this sacrifice and to give us this and give us... And, and listen, Luciferians know about Samhain too. They follow a wheel of time as well. And I assure you, there will be human sacrifices. Not spoken of, they won't be in the paper, but they will be. So, um, you observe days and months and times and years, and I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Now, Peter finishes it up. He says that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And he says it two verses later, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Four times the King James uses that word elements. And so you have the the teaching then of the four elements. And let me just kind of briefly uh, run you through some of this. Uh, in days gone by, they were worshipped by various people uh, under the auspices of worshipping their gods. So in Babylon, ancient Babylon, Nin-Hersag was the earth, Enlil was the air, Enki was water, Anu was heaven, okay? So you had earth, air, water, and heaven together. Uh, here is a, um, a game on Google Play. Four books of magic to unlock and study. Fire. You have uh, air here, I believe, water here, and earth represented by the green. Yeah, I was right. This is air here. You see the stars. Here you have the water. You have the rivers. You have fire here, and you have the earth. So playing games like this, I mean, if you were to come now and say, Pastor Mike, let me see your phone. I'm going to check it out. You're not going to find games like this. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't play a game like this. I just wouldn't. It's your games are designed, I think in in some cases, it's a control mechanism. These games that not only children but adults play on their phones and tablets and laptops and everything else. They're playing these games. And all of this, when you unlock the four elements here, you restore the ancient kingdom to life. What ancient kingdom would that be? That would be the kingdom of the Antichrist. So you have Satan, Babylon, the beast, water, 
false prophet, fire. Japan, anytime you see like these stones stacked, this is becoming popular now in America. Uh, you see these at some of the home decor stores. Well, they represent the four elements plus the one. Earth, water, fire, wind. Now, this is interesting. In Western thought, the fifth element is was called ether. And it's because they believed that um, outer space consisted of a substance that was unknown to science. So they referred to it as ether. And it kind of meant like, we don't know what it is, but we think that's what the heavens are made of. Sort of some ether gaseous thing or whatever. In Eastern thought, Japan, China, and so on, it's referred to as the void. Now, that brings in an interesting parallel, especially this year after having gone to uh, MUFON and meeting and talking to the Southern Baptist pastor's wife who... Um, basically caused herself, her husband, her family to, to leave Christianity. She gave her husband the fruit, and he did eat. She said that she had a death experience where she died, but instead of going through the tunnel and seeing the light, and seeing God and Jesus and, you know, all of her old family members up there in heaven waving to her. She's in a dark place where she can feel the darkness. She calls it outer darkness. Uh, Jesus called it outer darkness too, lady. And, um, and she is calling it the void. And in the void was her spirit guide. Because she at one point senses that there is something behind her. She doesn't know why, but she senses that it's a, a masculine entity. But it, it is a spirit guide that was guiding her and showing her things about the earth and, and all this stuff. And because of this experience, she is gone from Christianity. Just left it all. So here I am, I'm trying to show her Bible verses, and it's almost like she's going, Ah, get that away from me! I'm melting! She did not want the presence of the Word of God in or around her. That's because she had a spirit working in her, a child of disobedience. She had a spirit that was... That was like, uh-oh, he's got a Bible. Accuse him of, uh, accuse him of recording this, the conversation. That's what she did. I'm holding my phone out to her. I'm showing her what's on there, and she says, what do you, what do you got your phone out? What are you doing, recording me? And I'm going, ma'am, no. I just wanted to read this scripture to you. 
Didn't want to hear it. So this void here is uh, what Job was talking about. The place where light is as darkness. And there's it's no order there. It's the abyss. It's chaos. And out of chaos comes control, comes order, right? Um, in China, they have these four gods that uh, direct the, um, the, um, the four elements and dragons with them. And even Native Americans, First Nations. The, the flag of New Mexico is from an, uh, an old Navajo uh, sign or a seal. And it features a, a stylized cross. It has three bars this way and three bars this way. And it, it represents, and the, the three bars going top to bottom and then side to side, um, I would say that represents the 12 months of the year, the 12 signs of the zodiac, and so on. Uh, just like the tribes of Israel. Um, but anyway, here you almost have uh, what amounts to a stylized swastika. And people, take a look around you when you're out and about. Um, I, I have been seeing, and usually I'm driving and can't get a picture. I can't get my phone out fast enough to get a picture. But bank logos, uh, other types of logos there will be a hidden swastika in there. There will be. Um, you know, they can't just bring the swastika back and say, Hitler who? We don't know who that we don't know who that was. You can't just do that. You have to veil it behind something or with something. It's kind of like giving a dog a worm pill. You gotta you, <laughs> you gotta put a lot of hamburger meat around that thing, all right? Uh, and that's that's what's being done because of what the swastika represents. It represents the joining together of the four elements. Um, alchemy. Now these out now these signs right here. These triangles. Notice them. Two of them are pointing down. One of them is bisected. Here you have two of them pointing up, and one of them is bisected. Earth, air, and fire, and water. But that's not all they represent. Oh, you can't see that, can you? Ah. There we go. Let me show you this. Let me go back. Show you that. The Native Americans, First Nations, China, Japan. Ta-da. See, I all right. Now, uh, take a look at this. All of these women are carrying pitchers on their heads. This one is of a man. This one is of an ox. This one is of an eagle. And this of a lion. Now, doesn't take a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist figure out that these four pictures are the four cherubim 
from Ezekiel 1. And now, here's where Pastor Mike goes completely off the rails. What were these four cherubs doing? What was their significance in Ezekiel chapter 1? They were and are the angels that made up the chariot of God. Remember, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. So, this then, and the teachings and the secrets of alchemy deal with the joining of opposites of earth, air, fire, and water. Also represented by the man, the ox, the eagle, the lion, which were part of the chariot. Let's see if I can do this like this. The chariot of God, but you have the enemies of God that also have chariots. And they look like, I was reading, um, I was reading a book yesterday and one of the uh, abductees described the ship that they went into as like two saucers, one on top of uh, the other, like facing one another, joined together. Now you say, now, Pastor, you lost me. Okay, now you, you were talking about Halloween. Now you're talking about Venus flytraps. Now you're talking about the elements and alchemy. Now you're talking about UFOs. Well, remember in, in the movie, Elemental, that fire and her father was like, you, you should always marry fire. Don't marry water. Water is bad. She's being told by all of her fire in-laws and, and parents that, and relatives that she shouldn't marry anything else but fire. But she falls in love with water. Water falls in love with her. Well, they're opposites. If water touches her, it could extinguish her. If she, however, and this is what happened, she got too close to him in this chamber and he evaporated. <laughs> Like, well, yeah, you got to bring him back to life. You killed him. So you know, water puts out fire. Fire converts water to steam. What is the connection here? They are joined together. They are opposites, but they are joined together. And in the mentioning of opposites, they are the iron and the clay that do not mingle together and yet that's exactly what they're going to do mingle them together 
And it will be because of these four elements and that fourth kingdom and what was created on the fourth day of creation. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, be careful in this world. Uh, it's falling apart. It really is. This world is falling apart. There's nothing in this world that we could say is solid and firm and guaranteed and with the exception of the Word of God. And be careful of people who are trying. The devil will send you friends who he will use to try to pull you away from your staunch belief that this is the Word of God. Be careful. You are the reason why we do what we do. Pray for us. Pray for our ministries in Kenya and around the world. If you receive our DVDs each and every month, the good news is they're being duplicated as I'm speaking. They will be out shortly. God bless you. I love you. Think Bible.